This week, I'm going to tell some travel stories. Not quite the usual stuff that shows up on Facebook or Instagram or other social media, or on a blog for that matter, like the travel page on billswritingplace.wordpress.com. Hint, hint. And I tell these stories in the hopes that someday I'll have more stories to tell. If you're in New Orleans and your hotel's in the French Quarter and it's a couple weeks before Mardi Gras and you get there on the weekend, the atmosphere is pretty much what you'd expect. But then, come Monday morning, if you go out, the people you encounter are older. Everything is quieter because New Orleans is still a place where people work and where they live their lives and they're not just there to party. In fact, Monday morning, it's almost like the party's over. Well, at least mostly over uh, until the next weekend. But on the day we left, we were in the car going to the airport at some horribly early hour. And we did see an open door to a bar and there were a couple guys in there. So I guess all things being relative, a party being over in New Orleans is never completely over. It's also the scene of a moment that will go on my dumb husband, Mount Rushmore. No matter what happened before, no matter what happened since, it's going on there. We were in New Orleans for Susie's birthday. It was a round number birthday, and she didn't want to spend it at work, so that's why we booked the trip. For dinner that night, we found this little hole-in-the-wall Italian place, and it was really good dinner. After dinner, we're walking back to the hotel, and we heard this noise coming down the street. So, remember when I mentioned that Mardi Gras was coming? Well, it turns out that the marching bands need to practice. And one of them was doing just that on the street, right in front of us. And I wasn't carrying my camera. I am generally a, a horrible shutterbug. I take pictures of everything. But I figured it was nighttime. We were just walking to the restaurant and back. I didn't think I'd need it. Brilliant, right? So, sure, it's a memory. The birthday, the dinner, me not bringing the camera. But it would have been nice to have had a photo or a video record of a marching band randomly coming down the streets of New Orleans on my wife's birthday. <laughs> The Boston Marathon bombing was April 15th, 2013. Four days later, that Friday the 19th, Susie and I had gotten up at an ungodly early hour. And that's how we found out on the local news that there was a manhunt going on for Jokar Sarnayev, who, with his brother, had planted the bombs at the marathon site. We followed the news, obviously, as much as we could all day, but we didn't follow it in front of our TV at home or with our coworkers in our offices. And since Susie worked in Boston, she might not have even been allowed into her office anyway because the city was locked down. Instead, we followed the news on Twitter. It was on my first iPhone, and as we were on the road to the airport in Providence, Rhode Island, I scrolled endlessly while Susie drove, looking to see if there was any new news and I was so engrossed in, in trying to find out more that when I finally did look up 
I saw the sign that we were entering Rhode Island. We normally actually would have been flying out of Boston. By that point, that was where we did most of our travel from. But whether it was for price or convenience, I don't remember which. We left from Providence that day. We also followed the news on the road to Asheville, North Carolina, which was the first stop on our vacation where we were going to visit friends. But I wasn't just following the news on Twitter, although I'm sure I checked it, but also by listening to Here and Now, which is an NPR midday talk show based out of Boston. Robin Young is the host, and during the show, she talked about how her nephew actually knew Jokar Sarnayev and was friends with him. He had been in their home. And then once we got to Asheville, people would ask where we were from, since they could tell we were from out of town. And we told people Boston, because that was the closest city to where we lived. And when we did that, they shared condolences with us. I have to admit it felt a little bit out of place because neither of us were personally impacted by the bombing, but we still appreciated the sentiment on behalf of the city. As for the city of Asheville itself, we've been multiple times. Like I said, we have friends who live there and it's a great city. It's one of our favorites. It's in a great location in the mountains and it's cool, and it's funky, and there's good food. It's just a neat place. But of all the times we've been there, one place I've never gotten to is the baseball field. Uh, There's a minor league baseball team in Asheville. They're called the Taurus, and I've seen their, their ballpark. It's called McCormick Field. I've been there. I've walked by it. I've looked at it from the outside, but the schedules have never worked out where I could go to a game there. That is something I'm going to have to correct someday, which means we're going to have to go back to Asheville someday, which is completely fine by me. When we went to San Antonio, we hit all the big sites, the missions, which were a bit of a trek, but I would recommend doing it if you can. The Alamo, which was smaller than you'd think, and it's right in the middle of town. And we took a boat tour of the Riverwalk. And it was on the Riverwalk where something that I thought was kind of interesting happened. Susie and I were eating Italian for lunch, and a mariachi band came to our table and started playing a song called Quesas, 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 which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation, but as they were playing it, I realized it sounded vaguely familiar, and what it was, was at this Italian restaurant, this mariachi band was playing the Spanish version of the song, Perhaps, 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 which I knew of as the theme song to the show Coupling, which was a British comedy. Susie and I went to the Jekyll Island Club in Georgia for our honeymoon. And from there, we went on a day trip to Charleston, South Carolina. It was about 99 degrees with about 99% humidity. It may have been the hottest I've ever been. 
and I've been in Arizona when it was 98 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was so hot that we would just randomly duck into every few stores just to get some air conditioning and cool off for a few moments. While we were in Charleston, we took a tour of one of the historic houses, and our tour guide pointed out Fort Sumter across the water. And she told us that today it was owned by your government. So we should go over and take a look at it to see what your government is doing. And we eventually did 10 years later when we went back to Charleston for our 10th anniversary trip to Jekyll. And as I was thinking about it later, it's possible the guide was just talking in character especially since she had told us she was from Michigan. But in that moment, it was all I could do not to say to her, you know, it's your government too, since the North won the war. But I didn't. Susie and I have never tried driving in England and never planned to due to that whole driving on the left side of the road thing. Most of the time, though, we don't even need a car. We walk to a lot of places. We take the subway. The place we like to stay is right around the corner from the station. If it's a little further out of the center of the city, we may take a train. But we rode in a car when we went to Liverpool. And for a moment, we thought we were going to die. Now, that's not because there was anything wrong with the cab driver, but when he turned left onto a divided road, he turned into the left lane. So our first instinct was, you're in the wrong lane. Because we were Americans, we would have gone to the right, but since we were in England, he was in the proper lane, of course. We had taken the train to Liverpool so we could go on a tour of Anfield, which is the home of Liverpool, my favorite soccer team. We start on the tour, and the first thing the guide asks us is what teams other than Liverpool have won five or more European championships. Now, those teams are Real Madrid, AC Milan, Barcelona, and Bayern Munich, but between our group, we couldn't come up with them. Susie try to contribute a guess, and so she named a team that she knew had won a lot of trophies over the years, Manchester United. Well, that was incorrect. They've only won three, which is one thing, but Manchester United is also Liverpool's longtime hated rival. I think the guy may have made some joke about kicking us off the tour, but he did let us stay, and that was very nice of him, and we had a very good time. We drove up to Montreal from Albany not long after 9-11, so needless to say, there was advice all over the place to be careful at the border, which for us wasn't going to be a big issue since the only threats we presented were if I trotted out what I remembered of my high school French and it was so horrible. The person I was talking to passed out from fright. 
So we got to the border. Susie was driving, taking care of everything. I was gazing out the window. So when the guy asked me a question, I was completely oblivious. I don't remember what he asked, but when I did snap to whatever I answered, it couldn't have been too bad since they let us in the country, which, come to think of it, they wouldn't do today. Once we got to Montreal, we were staying in a hotel just outside the city, but it was a great location because there was a metro station literally across the parking lot. So we could walk across to catch the subway, we could go into the city early in the day, come back, relax, freshen up, and then if we wanted to, we could go back into the city later. So when we went back a few years ago, Susie made reservations at the same hotel. It was a chain. I don't remember which one. But something didn't quite feel right when we got there. The problem was the name was the same, the chain was the same, but it wasn't the same hotel. They had moved to a location a few miles in town. Another generic hotel was where we had gone before it was in that spot. So it meant we either have to take a cab each time or walk to the train station, which meant once we went into the city and came back, that was it. There were no later visits that day. That trip to Montreal was mildly disappointing, especially since we had had a really good time the first time. And I do think the situation with the hotel had at least a little something to do with it. Now, the good news is we spent the second half of the trip in Ottawa, which was awesome. Balboa Park in San Diego has multiple museums, multiple gardens, restaurants, performing arts spaces, and to the home of the San Diego Zoo. So at midday on a random weekday, parking can be kind of hard to find. And it was while Susie was making laps of the parking lots we saw some old guy walking on the sidewalk carrying a chair. Which was weird, but we didn't think anything more of it. We eventually did find a parking space, went to get lunch, and the waiter asked us where we were from. We told him Boston. And he asked if we followed the Boston Celtics, which we did. At that point, he said there was a former Celtic in the restaurant. Well, I thought that was pretty cool, but I figured it wasn't anyone important. Except it was Bill Walton. Which makes sense. He was a San Diego native. The waiter pointed out where he was sitting, and he was eating lunch with friends. And I was just like, okay, don't stare. Don't stare. Don't bother him. He's eating lunch with his friends. Don't be one of those guys. So a little while later, he and his friends finished lunch. And he picked up his chair as they were walking out. Now, I'm guessing it's because he's six foot eleven and had all sorts of ankle and spinal cord problems that he had to have his own chair. But the Basketball Hall of Famer that we were in the restaurant with was the old guy we saw lugging a chair around the parking lot. Okay. We need to talk about New Jersey. I have met great people from New Jersey, but I have problems with the state itself. 
and they're rooted from when I was a kid in the early 80s. My family was going to Florida for vacation. We were leaving Christmas night, and we were going to be flying People Express, which at the time was the hot new low-cost airline. All told, it lasted a little less than seven years before it merged with Continental. We were flying out of Newark, New Jersey, since Peoples didn't fly out of Albany Airport, the one closest to our house in New York, until a year or two later. Now, my dad is a genius with directions, and he can figure almost anything out. But even he was having a devil of a time getting there as we were driving to Newark. In New York City is where the problems actually started, and he's not a big fan of New York City anyway. But I think maybe because of an exit sign that was around a blind curve, we wound up near Yankee Stadium at one point, which would have been cool otherwise, except that wasn't what we were looking to do. And then once we got to New Jersey, I'm almost certain that there were exits on the other side of the divided highway from where we were, and there was just general confusion until we got to the airport. Then once we got to the airport, my father went to park in the secure parking lot and was told it was not actually the secure parking lot, even though they told him it was the secure parking lot when he had called to ask them which lot was the secure parking lot. We wound up about three miles from the terminal and it was cold. It was really cold because it was Christmas night and my brother and I only had on fairly light jackets since we were going to Florida after all. Fortunately, the airport had buses and they got us to the terminal and the flight went fine. And so, okay, that's an early blip on the trip. Something you can easily put behind you. Maybe it makes for a funny story after a fun vacation in Florida. Except then we came back. It was another night flight into Newark, which was fine. And the bus got us to our car, which was still there in the secure parking lot. And then somehow we ended up driving around a suburban neighborhood at, I'll guess, 1.30 in the morning. And I was practically wailing in the backseat that we'd never get home. Now that last part, I don't specifically remember happening, but my mother says it happened and given my lifelong pathological fear of getting lost that continues to this day, I can certainly believe it happened. If not for a guy walking his dog, yes, at about 1.30 in the morning, who gave us directions, we still might be circling northern New Jersey all these years later. So yeah, things got off to a bad start with the state of New Jersey, and they haven't really been fixed since, but maybe someday. So this brings us to the end of this week's tale. If you want to hear any of the other installments, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Overcast. And I also post all these on my blog, which is billswritingplace.wordpress.com. And if you want to see what else I'm up to, you can check out the blog. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at at a underscore silly underscore place. 
Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.